Act One of Amphitryon by Moliere, translated by Henri van Laun. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dramatis Personae. Night, read by Eva Davis. Jupiter under the form of Amphitryon, read by Larry Wilson mercury in the form of soja read by nemo amphitryon general of the thebans read by thomas peter argataphantidas theban captain read by jim lot norcrates a theban captain read by alan mapstone polydas theban captain read by adrian stevens pausicles theban captain read by lian yao saucia amphitryon's servant read by todd alcmene amphitryon's wife read by abai cleantis alcmene's maid saucia's wife read by sonia stage directions read by phone scene thebes before amphitryon's house prologue mercury on a cloud night drawn through the air by two horses gently charming knight deign to stay a while some help is wanted of you and i have two words to say to you from jupiter ah it is you sir mercury who would have thought of you in such a position upon my word getting tired and not being able to fulfil the different duties which jupiter lays upon me i quietly sat down in this cloud to await your coming you are jesting mercury and you do not mean it does it become the gods to say that they are tired are the gods made of iron i want not but it is meet to preserve continually the divine decorum there are certain words the use of which lowers this sublime attribute and which should be left to men because they are undignified how easily you speak of it and you have fair charmer a chariot in which like a careless great lady you are drawn by two good horses wherever you like but it is not the same thing with me and i cannot in my fatal destiny bear the poets too great a grudge for their extreme impertinence in having by an unjust law of which they wish to keep up the custom given to each god for his behoof a special conveyance and have left me to go on foot me like a village messenger i who as is well known am the famous messenger of the sovereign of the gods in the skies and on the earth and who without exaggerating anything stand more than anyone else in need of the means of travelling about on account of all the duties which he lays upon me how can you help it the poets do as they like it is not the first stupidity which we have seen these gentlemen commit but at any rate your irritation against them is unreasonable for the wings at your feet are due to their care yes but does one tire oneself less in going more quickly let us leave this sir mercury and come to the point 
it is jupiter as i have told you who wishes the sombre favour of your cloak for a certain gallant adventure with which a new love affair provides him his tactics are not new to you i believe he very often neglects the skies for the earth and you are not ignorant that this master of the gods is fond of becoming humanized for mortal beauties and has a hundred ingenious tricks to vanquish the most cruel he has felt the darts of alcmena's eyes and whilst amphitryon her husband commands the theban troops on boeotia's plains he has assumed his form and under that disguise relieves his pains in the possession of the sweetest pleasures the condition of the wedded pair is propitious to his flame hymen has united them only a few days since and the still young fire their tender love has made jupiter have recourse to this pretty artifice in this case his stratagem has proved successful but with many a cherished object a similar disguise would be of no use and to assume the form of a husband is not everywhere a good means of pleasing i admire jupiter and i cannot conceive all the disguises that come into his head in this way he wishes to have a taste of all sorts of conditions and it is not at all acting as a stupid god from whatever point of view he may be regarded by mortals i would think very little of him if he never abandoned his redoubtable mien and were always full of affectation in the highest part of heaven in my opinion there can be nothing more foolish than to be always imprisoned in one's grandeur and above all a lofty rank becomes very inconvenient in the transports of amorous ardor jupiter who no doubt is a good judge of pleasure knows how to descend from the height of his supreme glory and to enter into everything that pleases him he leaves his individuality behind him and it is no longer jupiter who appears uh, one might yet overlook seeing him descend from his sublime estate to enter into that of men to enjoy all the transports of which their hearts are capable and to accommodate himself to their jests if in the changes to which his disposition drives him he would confine himself to human nature but to see jupiter as a bull a serpent a swan or anything else i do not think it nice and am not at all astonished that it is sometimes talked about let all the cavillers talk such changes have a charm which surpasses their understanding this god knows well enough what he is about there is elsewhere and that in the movements of their tender passions the brutes are not so stupid as one would think let us return to the fair one whose favours he enjoys if by his stratagem he finds that his passion is successful what more can he wish and what can i do that to satisfy the desires of his enamoured soul you should slacken the pace of your horses to make of so delightful a night the longest night of all that you should allow more time to his transports and that you should retard the break of day which must hasten the return of him whose place he takes oh this is no doubt a nice employment which the great jupiter reserves for me and an honourable name is given to the service required of me <laughs> you are rather old-fashioned for so young a goddess such an employment has nothing degrading except among people of low birth 
when one has the happiness of being in a lofty rank whatever is done is always well and good and things change their names according to what one may be you know more about such matters than i do and i shall believe in your superior knowledge and accept this employment now now madam knight a little gently i pray in the world you have the reputation of not being so particular in a hundred different climates you are made the confidant of many gallant adventures and to tell you my mind plainly i believe that we have nothing with which to reproach each other let us drop these bickerings and remain what we are let us not give mankind cause to laugh by telling each other the truth farewell i am going yonder on this business promptly to doff the form of mercury to don the figure of amphitryon servant and i am going to make a stay in this hemisphere with my dark train good day knight farewell mercury mercury descends from his cloud knight crosses the stage act one scene one sosia alone who goes there he my fear increases at every step gentlemen i am a friend to every one ah what extraordinary boldness to be abroad at such an hour as this what a scurvy trick my master covered as he is with glory plays me here what would he have me set out in such a dark night if he had any love for his fellow-man could he not as well have waited till daylight to send me to announce his return and the details of his victory oh, to what slavery is thy life subjected sosia our lot is much harder with the great than with the little they will have it that everything in nature be compelled to be sacrificed to them night and day hail wind danger heat cold the moment they speak we must fly twenty long years of hard services avail us nothing with them the slightest whim draws down their anger upon us in spite of all this our foolish hearts cling to the empty honour of remaining with them and will be contented with the false notion which all other people share that we are happy in vain reason calls us to retire in vain our spite sometimes consents to this their presence has too powerful an influence on our zeal and the slightest favour of a caressing look re-engages us more firmly than ever but at last i perceive our house through the darkness and my fear vanishes i must have some set speech for my mission i owe to alcmena some military sketch of the great battle which sent all our enemies to the right about but how the deuce have i to describe it when i was not there no matter let us speak of cut and thrust as if i had been an eye-witness 
How many people tell of battles from which they kept far enough away? In order to act my part with credit, I will rehearse it a little. This is supposed to be the room in which I enter as the bearer of dispatches, and this lantern is Alcmena, who I have to address. He sets his lantern on the ground and addresses his speech to it. Madam, Amphitryon, my master and your husband. Good, that is a nice beginning. Whose thoughts were ever filled with your charms, has been pleased to choose me from amongst all to give you tidings of the success of his arms, and of his desire to be with you. Oh, really, my good Socia, I am heartily delighted to see you back again. Madam, you do me too much honor, and my lot is to be envied. Oh, well answered. How fares Amphitryon? Madam, as a man of courage should, whenever an occasion offers for behaving with glory. Ooh, capital, that is well conceived. When will he, by his charming return, satisfy my heart? As quickly as he can, assuredly, madam, but much less early than his heart desires. Ah! But in what state has the war left him? What says he? What does he? Set my heart at rest. He says far less than he does, madam, and makes his enemies tremble. Plague! Where do I get all these pretty speeches? What are the rebels doing? Tell me, what is their present condition? They could make no stand against us, madam. We cut them to pieces, put their chief Petralus to death, took Telebos by storm, and the whole port rings already with our prowess. Ah, oh, what success, ye gods, who could ever have thought it? Tell me, Socia, how it all occurred. Willingly, madam, and without boasting, I can give you, very accurately, the details of this victory. Imagine, then, madam, that Telebos is on this side. Socia marks the places on his hand, or on the ground. It is a city really almost as large as Thebes. The river is, as it were, there. Our people encamped here, and that space here was occupied by our enemies. On a height, somewhere thereabout, was their infantry, and a little lower down, uh, toward the right, their cavalry. After having addressed our prayers to the gods, and issued every order, the signal was given. The enemy, thinking to cut out work for us, divided their horse into three platoons. But we soon cooled their courage, and you will see how. There is our vanguard, eager to be at work. There stood the archers of our king, Creon. And here was the main body of the army. Some noise from within. Which was about to... Uh, stay, the main body of the army is afraid... I hear some noise, methinks. Scene 2. Mercury, Socia. 
mercury in the form of socia coming out of amphitryon's house under this guise which resembles him let us drive away this babbler whose unfortunate arrival might disturb the happiness which our lovers are enjoying together socia not seeing mercury my spirits revive a little and after all i think it was nothing for fear of a sinister adventure however let us go and finish the conversation indoors mercury aside unless you be stronger than mercury i shall prevent your doing so socia without seeing mercury this night seems to me inordinately long judging by the time i have been on the way my master must have mistaken evening for morning for fair phoebus lies too long in bed through having taken too much wine mercury aside with what irreverence this lout speaks of the gods my arm shall just now chastise well this insolence and i shall have some real fun with him by stealing his name as well as his likeness socia perceiving mercury a little way off ah oh, upon my word i was right after all it is all over with me poor wretch i perceive before our house a man whose mien bodes me no good to uh, appear easy i shall hum a little he sings what fellow is this who takes the liberty to sing and to deafen me in this manner as mercury speaks socia's voice grows gradually weaker does he wish me to give him a drubbing socia aside assuredly this fellow has no love for music for the last week i have found no one whose bones i could break my arm loses its strength in this idleness i'm looking out for some back to regain my cunning socia aside what the deuce of a fellow is this my heart is big with mortal fear but why should i tremble so perhaps the fellow is just as much afraid as i am and speaks in that way to hide his fear underneath a pretended audacity yes yes let us not allow him to think us a goose if i am not bold let me try to appear so let us reason ourselves into courage he is alone like me i am strong i have a good master and there is our house who goes there i who i i courage socia what is your condition in life tell me to be a man and to speak are you a master or a servant as the whim takes me whither are your steps bent where i intend to go <sighs> this displeases me i am delighted to hear it positively by fair means or foul i shall know from you wretch what you are doing where you came from before daybreak whither you are going and who you may be i do good and ill by turns i come hence i go thither i belong to my master you show some wit and you have a mind i perceive to assume with me the man of importance i feel inclined to make acquaintance to give you a box on the ear with my own hand 
To me? To you. And there it is for you to make sure of it. Mercury slaps Socius' face. Oh, oh, this is in earnest? No, it is only for fun and an answer to your jokes. Sounds, friend. How you deal your blows about without one saying anything to you. These are the least of my blows. My little ordinary boxes on the ear. Were I as hasty as you, we should make nice work of it. All this is nothing as yet. We shall see something better anon. But to provide a little interval, let us continue our conversation. I give up the game. Wishes to go. Mercury stopping him. Where are you going? What does it matter to you? I wish to know where you are going. To get that door open to me. Why do you detain me? If you are impudent enough to go only near it, I shall shower down a storm of blows upon you. What? You wish by your threats to prevent my entering our own house? How? Our house? Yes, our house. Oh, the wretch! You belong to that house, you say? Indeed I do. Is not Amphitryon the master of it? Well, what does that prove? I am his servant. You? I. His servant? Without a doubt. The servant of Amphitryon? Of Amphitryon, of him. Your name is? Socia. What? Socia. Harky, do you know that with my fist I shall knock you down on the spot? For what? What fury seizes you? Tell me, who made you so rash as to assume the name of Socia? I... I, I do not assume it. I have had it all my life. Oh, what a horrible lie, and what extreme impudence! You dare to maintain that Socia is your name. Indeed I do. I maintain it for the very good reason that the gods have so ordained it by their supreme decree, and that it lies not in my power to say nay, and to be any other than myself. A thousand cudgel strokes ought to be the reward of such effrontery. Socia, beaten by Mercury. Justice! Citizens! Help! I beseech you! How, you hangdog! You cry out! You kill me with a thousand blows, and you do not wish me to cry out? It is thus that my arm... It is an unworthy action. You take advantage of the superiority which my want of courage gives you over me, and that is not fair. It is mere hectoring to wish to profit by the poltoonery of those whom we thrash. To beat a man who we know will not fight is not a generous action, and to show courage against those who have none is blamable. Well, are you Socia now? What say you? Your blows have affected no metamorphosis in me. And all the change that I can find in the case is that I am Socia beaten. Mercury threatening Socia. Again, a hundred fresh blows for this new impudence. Pray, cease your blows. Then cease your insolence. Anything you please. I keep silence. The dispute is too unequal between us. Are you Socia still? Say, wretch. Alas! I am what you please. 
dispose of my fate entirely according to your wish. Your arm has made you master of it. Your name was Sosha, by what you said? It is true, until now I thought the thing plain enough, but your stick has made me see that I was mistaken in the matter. It is I who am Sosha, and all Thebes confesses it. Amphitryon has never had any other than me. You, Sosia? Yes, Sosia. And if anyone plays tricks with him, let him look to himself. Sosia aside. Heaven, must I thus renounce my own self and see my name stolen from me by an impostor? How extremely fortunate it is for him that I am a coward, or else the death. You are murmuring. I know not what between your teeth. No, but in the name of the gods, give me leave to speak for one moment to you. Speak. But promise me, I pray, that there shall be no blows. Let us sign a truce. Proceed. Go on. I grant you that point. Who, tell me, put this fancy into your head? What good will it do you to take my name away from me? And even were you a demon, could you, in short, prevent me from being myself, from being Socia? Mercury lifting his stick. How? Can you? Oh, hold! We have discarded blows. What? Hangdog! Impostor! Rascal! As for names... Call me as many as you like. These are slight wounds, and I am not angry at them. You say you are Soja? Yes. Some nonsensical tale has been. Now then, I break our truce and take back my word. No matter. I cannot annihilate myself for you, and stand a speech so very improbable. Is it in your power to be what I am? And can I cease to be myself? Did anyone ever hear of such a thing? And can one give the lie to a hundred convincing proofs? Do I dream? Am I asleep? Is my mind disturbed by some powerful transport? Do I not plainly feel that I am awake? Am I not in my right senses? Has not my master Amphitryon charged me to come hither to Alcmena his wife. Am I not to extol his love for her and to give an account of his deeds against our enemies? Have I not just come from the harbour? Have I not a lantern in my hand? Have I not found you in front of our dwelling? Did I not talk to you in a perfectly kind manner? Do you not take an advantage of my cowardice to hinder me from entering our house? Have you not spent your rage upon my back? Have you not belabored me with blows? Oh, all this is but too real, and would to heaven it were less so. Cease, therefore, to insult a wretch's lot, and leave me to acquit myself of the calls of my duty. Stop or the least step brings down upon your back a thundering outbreak of my just wrath. All that you have mentioned just now is mine, except the blows. This lantern knows how, my heart full of fear, I departed this morning from the vessel. 
has not amphitryon sent me to alcmena his wife from the camp you have told a lie it is i whom amphitryon deputed to alcmena and who at this moment arise from the persian port i who come to announce the valor of his arm which gained us a complete victory and slew the chief of our enemies in short it is i who assuredly am soja son of davis an honest shepherd brother to harpage who died in a foreign country husband to that prude cleantus whose temper drives me mad who has received a thousand lashes at thebes without ever saying aught about it and who was formally publicly marked on the back for being too honest a man sosia quietly aside he is right unless one be sosia one cannot know all he says and amidst the astonishment which seizes upon me i begin in my turn to believe him a little in fact now that i look at him i perceive that he has my figure my face my gestures let me ask him some question in order to clear up this mystery aloud what did amphitryon obtain for his share of all the plunder taken from our enemies five very large diamonds neatly set in a cluster with which their chief used to adorn himself as a rare piece of workmanship for whom does he intend such a rich present for his wife and he wishes her to wear them but where is it placed at present until it shall be brought in a casket sealed with the arms of my master sosia aside he does not tell a single lie in any of his answers and i begin really to be in doubt about myself with me he is already by sheer force sosia and he might perhaps also be he by reason and yet when i touch myself and recollect it seems to me that i am myself where shall i find some trustworthy light to clear up what i see what i have done alone and what no one has seen cannot be known unless by myself by that question i must astonish him and that is enough to puzzle him and we shall see aloud when they were fighting what did you do in our tents whether you ran alone to hide yourself from off a ham sosia quietly aside that is it which i unearthed i bravely cut two juicy slices with which i stuffed myself nicely and adding thereto a wine of which they are very charry and the sight of which pleased me even before i tasted it i imbibed some courage for our people who were fighting sosia softly aside this matchless proof concludes well in his favour and unless he were in the bottle nothing is to be said against it aloud from the proofs laid before me i cannot deny that you are sosia and i acknowledge it but if you are he tell me whom you wish me to be for after all i must be somebody when i shall be no longer soja you may be he i agreed to that but while i am he it will be your 
death to take such a fancy into your head. All this confusion sets my wit on edge, and reason is contrary to what one sees. But there must be an end to this somehow or other, and the shortest way for me is to go in there. Ah, you hand-dog, you, with another taste of the stick. Socia, beaten by Mercury. Ah, what is this? Great gods, he strikes harder still, and my back will be sore for a month to come. Let me leave this devil of a fellow and return to the harbor. Oh, just heavens, I have made a pretty embassy. Mercury alone. At last I've made him fly, and by this treatment he has got his punishment for many of his deeds. But I perceive Jupiter, who very politely escorts the amorous Alcmena. Scene 3. Jupiter under the form of Amphitryon, Alcmena, Cleanthes, Mercury. Forbid, dear Alcmena, the torch-bearers to approach. They afford me delight in beholding you, but might betray my coming hither, which had best remain concealed, my love restrained by all these weighty cares, with which the glory of our arms held me fettered, has stolen the moments which it has just given to your charms from the duties of my post. This theft which my heart devoted to your beauty might be blamed by the public voice, and the only witness whom I wish is she who can thank me for it. I take great interest, Amphitryon, in the glory which your illustrious exploits shed upon you, and the fame of your victory moves my heart in its most sensible part. But when I perceive that this fatal honour keeps away from me him whom I love, I cannot forbear, in my excessive tenderness, to bear it some ill-will, and even to cavil at the supreme order which makes you the Thebans general. It is sweet after a victory to see the glory of one whom we love, but among the perils inseparable from this glory a fatal stroke, alas, may quickly come. With how many fears is our heart seized at the rumour of the slightest skirmish, in the horrors of such a thought, can we ever see aught with which to console ourselves for the threatened blow? And with whatever laurels the conqueror may be crowned, whatever share one may have in that high honour, is it worth that which it costs to attend a heart, which trembles every moment for him whom it loves? I see nothing in you but what increases my passion. Everything proves to my eyes a thoroughly enamoured heart. And it is, I own it, a charming thing to find so much love in a beloved object. But if I may dare to say so, one scruple troubles me in the tender sentiments which you show to me. And in order to relish them the more, my passion, dear Achmina, would owe nothing to your duty. Let the favours which I receive from you be due to your love, and to my person only and let not my position as your husband be the motive for their bestowal. It is from that name, however, that the ardour which devours me holds its right to show itself, and I do not understand this new scruple with which your passion is perplexed. Ah, the love and tenderness which I have for you exceeds also that of a husband, and in those sweet moments you are not aware of its delicacy. 
you do not understand that an enamoured heart is studiously intent upon a hundred trifles and worries itself about the manner of being happy in me fair and charming alcmena you behold a lover and a husband but to speak frankly it is the lover only i care for and i feel that when near you a husband checks him this lover jealous of your affection to the last degree wishes your love to abandon itself to him alone and his passion desires nothing that the husband gives him from the fountain head he wishes to obtain your love and to owe nothing to the bonds of wedlock nothing to a wearying duty which makes the heart ache and by which the sweetness of the most valued favours is daily poisoned in the scruples in short by which he is tormented he wishes in order to satisfy his delicacy that you separate himself from that which is offensive to him and that the husband be only for your virtue and that the lover shall have all the affection and tenderness of your heart which is all gentleness really amphitryon you must be jesting to talk in this manner and i should be afraid that if any one heard you you would be thought out of your right senses there is more sense in his discourse alcmena than you think but a longer stay would render me too guilty and the time presses for my return to the port farewell the harsh dictates of my duty tear me away from you for a while but fair alcmena try at least i pray you when you see the husband to recollect the lover i do not separate that which the gods unite and husband and lover are very precious to me scene four cleanthus mercury cleanthus aside oh heaven how sweet are the caresses of an ardently beloved husband <sighs> and how far is my wretch of a husband from all this tenderness mercury aside i must inform night that she has but to furl all her sails and the sun may now arise from his bed to put out the stars cleanthus stopping mercury what is it thus that you leave me and how then would you wish me not to acquit myself of my duty and follow amphitryon's footsteps but to separate from me in this abrupt fashion you wretch a fine subject to be angry about we have still so long to remain together <laughs> but what to go in such a brutal manner without saying a single kind word to cheer me up where the deuce would you have my brains fetch you this silly stuff from fifteen years of marriage exhausts one's discourse and we have said all that we had to say to each other long ago look at amphitryon you wretch see how he shows his ardour for alcmena and after that blush for the little passion that you display towards your wife good gracious cleantus there are still lovers there comes a certain age when all this is done with and what in those beginnings suits them well enough would look very awkward in us old married folks it would be a pretty sight to see us face to face saying sweet things to each other what perfidious wretch am i past hoping that a heart might sigh for me 
no i should be sorry to say so but i have too gray a beard to dare to sigh and i should make you die with laughter oh you hang-dog do you deserve the signal luck of having a virtuous woman like me for your wife great heavens if anything you are too virtuous all this merit is of little value to me be a little less an honest woman and do not pester my brains so much how do you find fault with me for being too virtuous a woman's sweet temper is her chief charm and your virtue makes such a clamour that it never ceases deafening me <laughs> you wish for a heart full of faint tenderness for those women with the laudable and pretty talent of knowing how to smother their husbands with caresses in order to make them swallow the existence of a gallant upon my word shall i tell you candidly an ideal evil affects only fools and i would take for my device less honour and more quietness what <laughs> would you endure without repugnance that i should love a gallant without any shame <laughs> yes if i were no longer pestered with your scolding and if i could see you change your temper and your way i would sooner have a convenient vice than a worrying virtue farewell cleantus my dear soul i must follow amphitryon cleanthus alone oh why has not my heart sufficient resolution to punish this infamous wretch <sighs> Oh, how it maddens me in this instant to be an honest woman. End of Act One.